Good morning, everybody. My faithful on-time people. I love you. Well, if you're new around here, my name is Becca. And if you're not new, hello. My name's Becca. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to read a passage from the lectionary together. We do it every week. The lectionary, if you don't know what that is, is just a tool that helps us walk through scripture from the Old Testament, a Psalm, and a New Testament, and the global church reads these together. So there's people all across the world reading this today. So join with me. Well, you don't have to read it out loud. Just read it with me. (laughs) A Song of Ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Jesus, we invite you in this place today. Thank you, Lord, that peace is ours because of Jesus. We just set aside all of our preconceived ideas about how you should move, God, and we invite you to do whatever you want to do. Your ways are so much better. So much better. Thank you, Lord, for coming when we ask you to even in all kinds of common things. Would you open our eyes to be awake to where you're moving today? Amen. I am a vessel in the making made to be filled and poured out. I am smooth and glossy glazed. I am earth meets fire meets home, or at least one day I will be. For right now, I'm just clay. And that's okay because I remember being dust, like dry bones crushed, like without shape and without form and easily carried off on the winds of my own strange affection. Always scattered and always messy. And then the potter found me. And though skeptical, I had heard great things, had the kind of hands that turned virgins into mothers and God into man and man into king, heard that he'd always sought communion with dusty things like me, that he'd even lived among us and died to set us free. And at first came the water, showered and blessings that I adored. And then came the kneading, which I hated, but he probably liked more. And he laid hand to my brokenness and my shame and my doubt. And he never once judged me. He just shaped and smoothed out. And now I lay in wait like prophets of old. So now I lay in wait like prophets of old that one day I will see the sun, although the night is cold. And oh, the audacity of Mary's hope and the persuasion of Joseph's dreams, and the insight of Isaiah, and the faith in Magi kings, and the confidence of my ancestors to believe that one day they would be redeemed, so worldly foolish, yet so spiritually in sync. And I trust the faith of men who have waited much longer than I, that a good work would be complete in me, and I would see the star of David shine, so I will wait patiently, be it weeks or much longer, for the full return of glory of the Father and the Potter. I said, I will wait patiently, be it weeks or much longer, for the full return of glory of the Father and the Potter, of the Father and the Potter. What's been heavy on my heart is the beginning of um, the, the Lord's Prayer. 
the idea of Jesus instructing us to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that resonated deeply with as I've looked intentionally at the chaos and the distress and the heaviness and the weight that our heart earth. God, would you come, would heaven come to earth and may your will be done in the way that we cannot make it happen. So would you join in prayer with me as I pray that we would have our hearts cry be, God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we pray for the women in Daklak who lost their land because the villagers found out that she was a Christian. We pray for the church in Turkey who has been searching, the people, the community have been searching for a church and they finally found a building and the government is now threatening to take it away. We pray for the tension and the chaos and the distress at the Rwandan and Uganda border. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for the protests in Chile and really the protests around the world. There is just so much unrest among the people all around the world, the people and the government at war. Would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. the fires that are happening in Australia and in California and the flooding in Italy and in France, the homes that have been destroyed, the earthquake in Albania, the, the lives that have been impacted by the natural disasters, the emotional, spiritual, physical homelessness that has all of a sudden occurred and disrupted the lives of thousands. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for this community, specifically of River City. The holidays can stir up an area and point to such hurt and pain and brokenness, a lack of measuring up, an invitation to comparison. It can be lonely and isolating, filled with thoughts filled with should, I should be, I wish I had. I miss, I long for. Would you step into the voids of every person? The holes in their heart that feels too much to bear. May your kingdom come and your will be done. May this be an Advent season where your heaven comes to earth like you sent Jesus onto earth. May we with the same anticipation know that you are coming again. You are going to have a, there will be a day where heaven will indeed be one with earth. And that is beautiful. May you, we lift our weary voices and say, God, come and have your way and do the thing that only you can do. In our hearts, in the city of Smyrna, in the government of the United States of America, in the governments around the world, and the people who have been overlooked, who are unjustly treated, who are abused, who are malnourished, come and do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. We are stepping into what we call rest season, which is kind of confusing for a lot of people. Um, 
So I'm going to explain a little bit about what rest season is without Sarah helping me. It's going to be hard. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through it. Um, she's going to stare at me the whole time. But she's on sabbatical, so she's practicing the rest season pretty good, I'd say. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So rest season is the idea of living the Sabbath in our uh, rhythms. And we do it for two months, twice a year. Groups last for four months. It's the idea that people who lead groups also need to be filled. It's not the idea that we go camp in our homes for two months and don't have relationship. So this is a season for you to learn how to be creatively in pursuing, how to be creative in pursuing relationships that aren't provided for you. And so that looks like meetups, lunches. If you see somebody you'd like to get to know, throw out what I think you should do. Thanks, guys. It's really good. Really good. Coffee? Coffee? Uh, trivia? What'd you say? Interpretive dancing? He's an Auburn fan. That'd be good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for restraining on that war eagle. Because <laughs> I know your heart wanted to say another word in there. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... If you're newer to the church, though, this presents a hard area for you, which is why we have other things that we do to gather people. Um, So if you are newer, we would like you to reach out, and we would like to offer you other ways to connect until that new season starts. If you're not newer and you've never been in a group and you still feel disconnected, it's kind of on you. Um, I love you very much, but there are opportunities to connect available, and we would love for you to do that. We've spent a lot of time preparing, and Jessica now leads the groups, and Sarah stepped away, and we've done a lot to make sure these groups are going well. So we would like for you to step in. We'd like for you to pray for the next season. Third part, last part of the pre-part. We're stepping into Advent, and for a lot of people, including myself, Advent is curious and not a part of the culture I grew up in. I grew up in the Church of God, and we did not talk about Advent. Uh, We would have avoided it. It was of the devil, I think. Not really, but that's kind of how other it is. And as we've discovered it the last three or four years, I've found it to be a much better entrance into this season than what our culture offers us with Christmas, which is, I'm not going to sit up here and attack American culture of Christmas because we're all involved and most of us in here love most of the parts of it. But I am going to say that building towards one day a year that offers all that we have or need or desire based around eating and receiving gifts is not going to provide for us what we need. And it also speaks to something much deeper within us that we're all yearning for, so it makes a lot of sense. But Advent is the idea, and it's also the start of the Christian calendar. It's not our culture's calendar, but it's the idea of leaning into saying, we need you, Lord. It's the idea over the next month of practicing with your family, we desperately need you. And for those that are like me, well, Jesus already came. We don't need Advent. We need celebration. We still need Jesus to come alive in our hearts. Very much every day and very much every year. Because truthfully, most of our children understand the story of Santa more than the story of Jesus. And that is not to throw a stone at anyone. It's just the truth, right? But there's something about what's being surfaced at Christmas. The idea of this nostalgia of when you were a kid, I remember for me, it's still one of my favorite times of year. I mean, yesterday we started to think about decorating. Shantae and Josh decorated on January 1st last year. It's been up all year. (laughs) They still have their lights outside their house. So I, I get it, right? And I remember for me how much went into that. And I think the reasons why it means so much to us, it's because it's one of those times in the year where we let our kids have these wild imaginations and think things, and we agree with them that these things are possible. And so they think things are possible, and their imaginations go wild, and these things are realities to them. And it births wonder, and we, from a young age, have wonder. And think about all the memories you have of when you were young. I'm not going to say anything. Don't be scared, parents, if your kids are in here. I'm not going to harm anybody's next month. But there's something really beautiful about what's being done there. And there's something in us, all of the adults that love it just as much as the kids, 
and maybe hide it a little bit better or don't hide it a little bit better? How much of the wonder we really want and how much of the idea of gathering, think about it, like this is the only time of year you're super excited to hang out with your entire family, right? You're going to be with your family, most of you, and there are going to be arguments had, but it's a season that will put all those people together and somehow you're excited about it, right? It's pointing to deeper longings and yearnings within us. It's an opportunity for us to see what's in our hearts. And if you were to walk around this room, if I were to pass around a mic and say, what are you really longing for deeply? And we hit the transparency spot. The answers would be so crazy. The answers would make most of us cry. If people were to talk about what they really want, the truth about where people actually are would break most of our hearts. We're all longing right now and leaning into. And so... As we talk today, I'm going to be really honest with you as the pastor. This week on Wednesday, I hurt my back again really badly, and I was unable to move and still am struggling with a herniated disc. Who has a herniated disc? You guys want to have a party? It'll be a very boring party, unhappy party. And so I didn't get a ton of time to jump into the passages, but I feel like Jesus is going to speak. So before the service, I told people, I'm not afraid of what I'm about to do. I'm afraid I'm going to use too many jokes. And I feel like I've already done that a little bit. So our staff's prayers don't work is what we just found out. So it's not, it's nothing about y'all. It's about your prayer. That was, that was a joke. Dang it. Thank you. Somebody keep count of the jokes. All right. So I'm going to read you Isaiah. I'm going to read you a passage in Matthew. You're going to be triggered. Everybody look at me. Most of you are about to be triggered. I promise. Some of you are going to be like, what? But if you're anything like me, these passages are about to stir something in you that may be some of the reasons why you have at times wanted to run from faith. My hope today is that you would see the passages for what they are and hear what they're actually saying. Hear how they've been hijacked. Hear how people have used them to harm people and not to help people. Hear how it's turned Christianity into a production and business to turn salvations to build numbers so that somebody can feel good about that while building fear and anxiety and cynicism all the while. So my hope is today that the fear and anxiety and cynicism surfaces so that you can have an honest conversation with yourself about it and so that people can be involved in it. So if you'll open up to Isaiah chapter 2, this one's not going to trigger you so much. Isaiah speaks to the true longings of what I think we all long for, and I'm going to read it to you right now. So, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come let us go up the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You'll pray with me. Father, these are your scriptures, and in line with how you give us the word, we need your spirit's power to illuminate and bring to life how you're interacting with each of our hearts with your word, the logos, the living Word of God. It's not meant to be read just as a fact book. It is an interaction with the living God. It is Jesus. It points to Jesus. In every passage, it highlights Jesus. And every passage should bring Jesus to the surface. And so we ask as we read apocalyptic texts and texts about futures that seem impossible, that you would birth in us the idea of being awake and faith to step towards something we cannot see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So as this prophecy is being given, it's given in a time when this stuff is not happening to a king who is not seeing it, who is under attack by two other nations because he wouldn't make a pact giving over things that he shouldn't give over. He's literally under attack, and the prophet sits down with him and says these things, and these things are the opposite of what's happening in his culture. The prophet sees beyond seeing. Everybody say, sees beyond seeing. So he can see, like the king can see, we're under attack, but he can also see what God is saying, which is not that. What God is saying when we read it is very different and almost impossible to believe. See, this is what I believe this is. This is the word of God about what is going to happen. Did you hear what I read a minute ago? Every nation will be streaming to the mountain of God. The mountain of God will be the most high mountain. The house of God will be the most high. Every nation will say that this is the most high God and that we want to stand here and wait on instruction from the Lord. That is not happening right now. Is that happening right now? So we can do a couple things with that. We can blame culture because culture's an idiot and it's the end days and why the heck are we still here? We can try and pretend like it was a mistake that God put us here. We can blame a bunch of people. We can look like we're supposed to look at it and realize it's not like that, right? Like we just did prayers of the people and people are dying right now, literally. People are sick that we know. Right? I did a funeral a week ago for a 98-year-old person. I'm doing a funeral in a week for a 24-year-old person. Like, it's all over, right? You have friends that are so far from walking to the mountain of God saying, teach me. If there's anything about American Christian culture right now, it's that most of the people are walking away from the mountain of God saying, somebody else teach me. That's not real. So when you hear this, the reality is, if you allow what's in your heart to surface, some cynicism surfaces. Is that even possible? Think about it. People from Iran and Iraq, people from Africa, people from South America, people from Antarctica, people from Alaska, people from Alabama, right? (laughs) All streaming to the mountain of the Lord and all in unison saying, We want to hear from God because he teaches us what we need to do. This is the word of God happening before the word of God is happening. And one person sees it. And the one person that sees it tells it to somebody who doesn't. And the person who doesn't sees it sees something completely different. And the completely different reality is real. They are under attack. They are hurting. God's promises are not happening. But the prophet sees beyond seeing and tells it to people who can't see and becomes the one who can believe for them for things that are impossible. So, for the group of Christians who now live in a utopian society where we don't just talk about whether Jesus is or Jesus isn't, we dissect every variation of Christianity. We dissect everything possible because we're safe, right? We live in America where we have our needs met, where all of us, where we offer Christmas strategies about giving people presents, which I'm for. But the reality is other countries are offering Christmas presents about how to save someone's life and how to put somebody in a home and how does this 84 people eat for the next month. It's not bad what we're doing. It's good. But we live in a society where we can just dissect everything. That way, church, this is what happens. Church can then become about that church worships like this. This church does it like this. I like to focus on this. They're Arminian, they're Calvinist, they're worshipers, they're free. They're not free. They're limited. They're religious. They do too much word there. They don't preach the word there. It becomes an area where we dissect. And so if it doesn't make sense in our minds, we don't want it. This doesn't make sense in our minds. And I feel like the cry of God through this prophet to us is, I am presenting you with something that is impossible. This is impossible, but I'm going to do it. It's the idea that the word happens is always moving towards fulfillment. The word from God, it happens and is continually moving forward to fulfillment. Let there be light. Then there was what? Right? 
Every word from God is moving from spoken to being fulfilled. That does not mean everything you say God spoke is moving towards fulfillment. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Because everything we want in the name of God is about 99% us and 1% God. Right? So, one last part about this. Weapons into tools. So this baffles me. And this, to me, is almost an agenda-infused trigger for people to not listen anymore, right? But what would it look like, right? So what happens in a society where anger, fear, resentment, keeping myself safe is, is destroyed? There's no need for weapons anymore. If those things are done, and when you're with community, you don't have to protect yourself, the energies that go into making things like weapons to protect, to keep safe, to harm, can be spent towards tools to build community and health, like plowshares and things we don't use at all. But you have weapons, you have weapons right now that you use, and you're gonna use them pretty strategically in the next month when you're around your volatile families who are ravenous beasts and know how to trigger you in every way possible and know instantly how to get under your skin. You're going to use those weapons. Some will look like walls. Some will look like a pre-fight. Some, will, some of you will sneak into the gathering before and attack before they even know you're attacking. And you'll win the war. Doesn't even make sense. But it kind of makes sense. So we can't understand how it works nationally, spiritually. We don't really relate to plowshares, but we do have our own weapons, right? And if this passage is saying anything, before we're meeting to go to the mountain of God, we're meeting to walk in the light. And he's asking us to walk in the light. And a walk is a step, and a step is one thing, right? So this passage has the ability to trigger fear and anxiety and even cynicism and apathy and make you want to back away from the text because that's not happening. But if you listen to it, it's asking you to do something right now. It's asking you to take a step right now. It's asking you to lean into what this future looks like and stop being apathetic and saying yes to everything your culture offers you. So what does it look like to lean into a future that looks impossible? It looks like bending your swords into plowshares. It looks like you modeling during the Christmas time, Advent, instead of Santa Claus. And Santa Claus is not evil. And I know my father-in-law is listening, and he'll call me about this, because <laughs> he always does. But he used to call it Satan Claus, because that's helpful. That's not what we're saying. That's not what's happening, right? But our kids have to know the story of the gospel of Jesus. It has to be birthed young in them. So when they hit the time in their teen years, when people who don't know about Jesus can tell them and scare them into an altar, they understand, no, my Jesus is actually, he's more constant than that. Like he's more life-giving than that. He's more grace than judgment, right? He's, his first move is not judgment. His first move is he came to the world not because he hates it, but because he loves it. His first move looks more like a cup of water and some bread than shackles. Our kids need to know that, and they learn that by us leaning into the things that are eternal. This day is eternal. Our kids won't believe it, but man, they're so excited about what's going to happen on the 25th because they're filled with wonder still. And they want to see these unities happen, gathering around tables with people you never spend time with. They're showing you the cry of their heart. And they're at a prime time, just like you are. And that's why many of you have already watched 52 Hallmark movies. There's never a good time to watch a Hallmark movie, guys. There's never a good time. I'm just being honest. Amen? I'm going to read you another passage. This one has the possibility of being a little more triggering. Everybody take a deep breath. Just hold it for the rest of the service. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in a field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding 
at the mill. I'm going to refrain because your prayers. One will take, won't be taken and won't be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But, you, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. People get ready. Jesus is coming soon. Nope. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Anybody know that song? It'd been fun if you'd have sang it with me. <laughs> what about life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor? <laughs> it's beautiful. Nobody knows that one? I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears, and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all... Nobody? Who? Do you not know DC Talk? <laughs> Come on, somebody. So, honestly speaking, when you heard this passage, did it trigger things from your past? Okay. Anybody? I'm not going to ask if you're joyful about it, because... So, I'm, this is an honest thing that, with me. This is a historical passage for me that has caused so much inability for me to seek Jesus because of how frightening that sounds. It's the word. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it's not there. I'm not going to preach it. I'm going to let you hear it. But it's, it's the word, right? And it's, it's from who? <laughs> well, okay. So there's a picture that we receive twice a year. This is the picture. You can pull it up. We receive this in the mail. It's a postcard we get. It's a picture of the rapture. Does anybody else ever receive this picture? Does anybody want this? Does <laughs> anybody? I don't know if there's anything more horrifying than that. It looks like it. it looks like when you pull into Atlanta. Does it not look like a little bit like Atlanta? There's a plane in a building. There are semi trucks. So, so here's what happens with this kind of content finding its way to the forefront of what we give people. First off, it's lazy because it removes the ability to teach people how to be discipled and seek Jesus, and it, and it uses tools like fear and anxiety to draw people into a relationship, which is always lovely. Secondly, it brings the focus of a passage that is talking about right now to something that would happen and it creates in us the desire to not make this happen. And all the while, while we think we're doing the right thing, we become self-focused. How do I save myself? Typically, or that's dumb and I don't want anything to do with it. Those are the two responses. It's talking about what you do right now. And that's confusing as well. I remember hearing this as a teen and thinking, I remember hearing that song as a teen. It's a beautiful song. It's, it's, it's horrifying lyrics set to like pretty tunes, which is genius. All of us got trampled on the floor. Would you sing that to your kid? So what it does in us is it, it removes the ability to figure out the pace of Jesus, how he's entering our life, to be drawn into the gospel narrative, to live out the gospel narrative, and it focuses all of our energy on this specific thing. And then somebody can write like 52 books about it, right? And we all, who, who, who read all of the Left Behind books when they were growing up, right? Nikolai Carpathia, right? Everybody knows that, no? Maybe I'm alone. Nope, you know what? Okay. So here's what I'm saying. This is scripture. But go back again to the first part of that, Right? The first part of that is concerning the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, only the Father. So before we spend all of our energy and time figuring out, for those of us in here who are saying it's happening now, it's coming soon, it's, we're, we're living in the end times, just know they were saying that Jesus was saying that, right? And nobody in here is 2,020 years old, I don't think. If you are, that's a big deal. You should probably tell somebody. 
So what's it pointing to? What are both of these passages pointing to? Future pictures, one seems impossible, another seems horrifying. But they're both pointing to right now. Because this would be coming, what are you doing right now? Because this is coming, one's about encouragement, really. You can't see the possibilities. I need you to hear that God is going to do this. And the first picture is way more acceptable, right? That mountain and going towards it and singing with everyone about our Jesus and him instructing us and everyone wanting to be instructed because in church at that point, we're breaking our weapons and not harming people. We all want that. And then the second picture spoken by Jesus is of a future that's happening where judgment's coming, where we will be judged, right? Both are pointing to right now. Both are talking about make a step, stay awake, right? And stay awake does not look like you being afraid you're going to hell for the next year. That's not stay awake. Stay awake is saying yes to Jesus. In fact, one of the other passages from the election this week, you can pull up Romans, Phil, for me, talks a little bit about it. What does it look like to stay awake, right? Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Always about light in Advent. Candles lit. The light is coming. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. <laughs> it's a different version. <laughs> not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I could spend some time in these things listed. Drunkenness is the idea of escaping. It's the idea of escaping, and you can be drunk in so many things. Drunkenness is the idea of not being present in what's really happening. Drunkenness is not evil in itself. It's that it takes you to a spot that removes you from the realities of right now because it's too much to handle. But he's saying right now, I'm, put me on in that real part, right? You want to talk about orgies a little bit? That's about receiving and giving. <laughs> Who said no? Nope. All right. Cool, cool, cool. But I will just say, I will just say this about that. The whole idea about orgies <laughs> it's hard to, is it's false, it's false intimacy being transferred in any sexuality, it's false intimacy being given, trying to replace a truer intimacy that's even deeper than sexuality, right? The kind of intimacy that's only receivable within the Father. And if there's anything from that first passage that's knowable, it's the Mount Zion. Zion was the place, this temple that will be raised above, where the house of God housed the Spirit of God in the midst of the people of God. This mountain that's being prophesied about in Isaiah is the place where God's presence will be thick. It will be in. It will be everyone going after it. And the intimacy therein will be the intimacy that we need. Orgies is the idea of receiving and giving intimacy that's not really intimacy. It's someone who doesn't know what to do with a lack of acceptance and love. It's someone who doesn't understand who they are in Christ. It's all of us. I mean, we're not all, I mean, you get what I'm Cool, cool, cool. All right. <laughs> Quarreling and jealousy, those are, those are things that lead to war. Quarreling and jealousy, those are the ideas that someone's hurting you, someone's taking from you, someone you want what someone has. Those are the things that will be removed on that mountain. Those are the things that are not removed now. So for us to step into this, for us to own today to be awake, what does it look like to be awake? It looks like putting on Christ. And I wanted deeply to quench what that meant for you. Because in your mind, you say, well, what is putting on Christ? And somebody went, just went through the armor of God, and that's part of it. What does it look like to put on Christ? I know in a chapter, Christ talks about what it looks like to be him is when, he see, when you see somebody who's poor and hungry and thirsty, you give them drink. I know previously what it looks like to put on Christ looks like what he did when he was here, which was thwart powers, meet with the weak, 
fulfill and help those who are struggling and free people. It looked like turning someone who was a lunatic into a sane person. It looked like turning someone who was crippled with fear into someone who was bound by peace. It looked like someone who had no idea what to do with their life, knowing what to do with their life. It looked like him standing in front of the world and dying so that life could happen. So to put on Christ, here's what it does not look like. It does not look like the cynicism that comes with reading an Isaiah passage that seems impossible. It does not look like biting on the apple of fear and deciding that this is all pointless because I'm horrified about that. It looks like walking with God one step at a time where it's not about you, where you have to trust him, and it looks like being awake, awake, awake. I'll read you this quote. I hope it goes where I am right now because I'm kind of all over, and that's good. The point is not to speculate about the day of judgment sometime in the future, whether at the end of all humanity or the death of each individual, but rather to confront us with God's radical claims on us here and now. Each day is a day of judgment. And before you go ahead and freak out that you're being judged, you and I want the judgment of God. We want the just judgment of God who sees the broken and helps them, who sees the broken heart in you right now and judges those things that are harming you, right? It's not about you being in the seat of judgment. It's about him bringing judgment to those that harm, to the things that harm. We want his judgment. So I should always be asking myself, am I living in the way of Christ today? Am I trusting in him alone? Have I allowed myself to be distracted by selfish cares? A theology of the coming kingdom is most faithful to biblical witness when it reminds us that the Christ who judges us is also the Christ who endured judgment for our sake. That God's judgment never contradicts or overrides God's grace. And that the readiness to which Jesus calls us is shaped not by fear of the future, but rather by gratitude for life in the kingdom of Christ he is already offering us now. So here's, don't theologically take me out of context with this. You don't know when the day will come. I did a funeral for a 98-year-old person a week and a half ago. It was beautiful, but strange. Nobody lives that long. I've done many funerals. No one has lived that long. In a couple weeks, a a student that was in our youth ministry eight years ago, I'm doing his funeral. He's 24. It's not about that postcard. It's about being reminded. And here's what I think. You're not mistakenly on this planet. And when he puts you here and you found out that you were wanting Christ, it's not the planet's fault and the planet's stupid and let's just get to the end, right? There's that old Chris, Chris Rice song that talks about, uh, I just want to be with you. I just want this waiting to be over. Take me out of this world. No, he's not trying to do that. He's trying to shake you and wake you because you only have a certain amount of time here to live and embody Christ. You only have a certain amount of days. And you don't know if you're going to be 24 years old or 98 years old when you pass. But you can know that you will pass, that you will move from this life to the next. So are you awake, right? Or are you busy? What's that quote? Pull it up, please. This is beautiful. Unexpected God, your advent alarms us. It wakes us from drowsy worship, from the sleep that neglects love, and the sedative of misdirected frenzy, awaking us now to your coming, and bend our angers into your peace. Amen. You don't have enough time to stay angry at the people who have harmed you. You don't have enough time to be bitter. You don't have enough time to hate yourself for the rest of your life. You don't have enough time to receive a false identity and accept it as who you are. You don't have enough time for that. Your family doesn't have enough time for you to be wandering in those deserts. It's not about you fixing your family, but the free version of you, the one who leans into Christ and believes for a future where all are worshiping on the mountain of God, the one who leans into Christ where every fiber of your mind is feeling cynical, 
The one who will say yes to God when you don't even believe it. That version of you, the today version of you, the one in this seat, the one whose fears if they were on this screen would make people weep. The one whose reality of how you feel about yourself right now would make people run to you and pray over you. You don't have enough time to stay in those forever. And the beautiful thing is Advent is here. It's coming. Jesus is here and he's offering himself fully to you right now. This will not fix you and make you the perfect version that's a light forever. But this is you saying yes to stepping into, I want to be awake. I want to walk in this light you talk about, even if I don't believe it. And so if you could stand with me really quickly in the worship, you can come up. As you step into this month, it's already started. The frenzy of busyness, right? We had a passage two weeks ago we read. I can't remember how it went, but it talked about you're all asleep in your busyness, which is such an interesting concept. And the passage in Romans said, now is the time. And what do we talk about more than anything? What do we not have enough of? What are we going after? Here, here's the real thing, I think. You're killing yourself, most likely, most of you, with something you're going after. Is it worth dying for? Is it career? Back away from it. In this season of Advent, hear the call of Jesus Christ wooing you into intimacy, drawing you to the mountain of God that many will follow you to eventually saying, come to me, those who are thirsty. I'll give you rest. Don't bite the apple that you're about to get. Love your kids well. Love your family well. Celebrate Christmas. But let Jesus be in the center. If you've never done Advent before, who's never done Advent with their family and would like to do it with their family? You can have this, Brittany. And then, Julia, you can have this. This book's cool, because watch. It's kind of cool. You see that? I don't even know what this book does, but I think that's enough. Actually, there's something for each day. Can you give that to Julia? Male or female. Advent devotional to help you be drawn to the heart of God. There's one for, uh, he reads truth, as I'm guessing for the, for the male. Who wants, you want this one? I, I'll give another one. You're athletic. She reads truth. You said you wanted it? There's a few more of these out in the lobby. Oh, I'm not going to throw up. Make a decision this Christmas to draw your family and your heart into a space that celebrates the coming of Emmanuel and the need for him to continually come. Amen. This is the last thing. Older people. I don't know how to even classify what that looks like for some of you. I'm 42. If you're 50 and older, this is like maybe the strongest thing I need to say today. We need you. We need you to step into and lean into God and show us how. Don't bite the lie that you are not able to do it. Don't feel like you are not important. We need you. Please, for the sake of those around you, Step towards Christ this Christmas. Younger, middle-aged people. Again, 30 to 45. 25 to 45. Somewhere in there. Our society is giving you multiple gods to serve. Busyness. Family. I know for me, athletics is right at the top. Those are not bad things if they're in their right spot. Show your family how to love Jesus. Talk about Jesus around meals. Ask them what they feel about Jesus. Ask them if they hear the voice of God. Even if you're like, people don't hear the voice of God. You read the word. Ask them. Talk about that then. Step towards Christ this Christmas season. Younger people. First of all, please forgive us. Forgive what's been said. Forgive the manipulation. Forgive the churches that have built whole ministries around 
kingdoms of their own. Don't give up. Please step towards God because we need your creativity. We need you. You don't have to wait till you're 50 to lean into God. Do it now. Make us say things like, they're just a little rambunctious, those 25-year-olds. Lean into God. And for anyone in this room whose reality right now is not the mountain of God and is not faith about how to live right now and you're actually walking through a really painful thing and it's a real thing. I invite you, Emmanuel Jesus, to be comforter, to remove spiritual pressure, do the healing that needs to be done for the physical bodies, but even to the deeper things. And whether we are sick, joyful, sad, cynical, celebratory, worshiping, praying, please wake us up. Because we have work to do for our families and communities. Our communities need the selfless love of God, the kind that dies on crosses and not on postcards. Help us to speak the words of life you have offered Jesus help us to go at the pace of what it looks like for a broken person to be healed help us to be honest about where we're at today prayer teams you can come up if you need prayer we offer a space to do that and I highly recommend it these are people who will agree with you and God to help whatever's happening If you happen to be here, it's your first time. We'd love for you to stop and meet with Bethany in the front room. Everyone else, I pray a prayer of blessing over you, that you would know who you are, whose you are, and what you're called to, that you will step into the truth and be awake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna keep the space in here for prayer. If you'd like to talk and have conversations, please do that out there. Thank you guys, God bless you. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.